Welcome to the Bayside Sports Pod. I'm your host, Seth Tao. I'm a sports reporter for the Star Democrat, covering the Eastern Shore for APG Chesapeake. Be sure to keep up with all of our episodes at the Star Democrat website, or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Seth Tao, and follow us on Instagram at stardem underscore sports. Hey there. This is episode six of the Bayside Sports Pod. Thanks for listening. On this week's episode, I talked with Trayvon Miles of 47 ABC in Salisbury. We took a hard look at all 12 Bayside Conference boys basketball teams remaining in the state playoffs. We went matchup by matchup in the second round, breaking down what we expect in every game, which ones we're most excited for, and which teams could make deeper playoff runs, and more. Trayvon's as in the know as anyone when it comes to Bayside hoops, and there's some really good analysis throughout this episode. So again, thanks for listening, and enjoy! All right, so we got Trayvon on the line. Trayvon, how you doing? I'm doing good, Seth. How you doing? I'm doing well. We're recording this on Monday afternoon. All the boys' games for the second round of the playoffs are on Tuesday. Girls' games are tonight. Uh, there are 12 Bayside teams left in the playoffs. Six are out. And uh, conveniently, there's six left from the north, six left from the south. Pretty good <laughs> breakdown. <Right. laughs> So I'm thinking we're just going to go down all the matchups and break down all the teams that are left and maybe pick a little bit and see who we think has a, has a good chance of making a little bit of a run. So all the matchups we got for the second round, we Colonel Richardson's at Joppa Town, Snow Hill is at CSD, Pocomoke at Crisfield, Parkside at Y High, North Carolina at Queen Anne's, Easton at Northeast Anne Arundel, and – Decatur at Ken Island. So I guess of all those, which of which matchup intrigues you the most? Uh, here down south, I obviously have to go with uh, the Crisfield Pokemon matchup. Uh, these are two teams that met up obviously in the regular season twice. The first game at Crisfield, I believe the Crabbers won by maybe 35, 37 points. It was a it was a complete drubbing um, on, on their part. But the second game was really interesting. It was in Pokemon. Um, and Crisfield uh, was, was down for most of the game, um, and they won on a buzzer beater. Uh, so, you know, that, you know, that was a great shot by Christian Waters, a kid who, who's definitely going to get some uh, recognition here when these awards come out for the postseason. Uh, great shot by him. Uh, but I think over time, you know, Pokemon got better. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how they match up back in Crisfield. Crisfield's a very intimidating place. We saw Ken Island go there and lose by 40, you know, and we yeah. haven't seen Ken Island do that all year. Um, so it's a very intimidating place to play. Uh, those kids shoot really well at home. I think they made this, uh, Coach Dre said they made 23 pointers, I believe, against, against Ken Island. So they shoot really well, and they're very comfortable in that gym. Uh, but I think it has a chance to be much closer than that 35-point win that they had uh, back maybe a month ago, a month or two ago, um, you know, the first time they played. Obviously, both teams have had a little bit of time off. They played in the playoffs last week, their first playoff game last weekend. But since they weren't in the Bayside title game, they had almost a week off before their right. playoff game. I guess where are these teams at momentum-wise? Yeah, I mean, Crisfield is doing really well as far as momentum goes. Um, they, I think, won uh, 11 out of their, uh, of their last 12 to end their regular season. I believe that's what it was with their only loss coming at Y High. And I think that was a six-point loss. So Crisfield is playing really, really well right now. I probably would say they are playing the best out of anybody in the South right now, um, you know, records aside. I mean, their average margin of victory over the uh, over a seven-game span that I was calculating a couple weeks before the regular season ended was about 34.5 points a game. So wow. um, no matter who they were playing, um, you know, Ken Island, it was 40. You know, Parkside, they avenged their loss with a, with a big victory. So they were really getting into people um, and really, they really picked things up defensively. And that's not what you saw in the first half of the year for, from them. Um, so I would say momentum wise, Crisfield is definitely uh, trending in the right direction. I talked to coach Derek books at the Bayside championship games of Pokemon. Um, and he's very pleased that where they're going as well, 
Uh, they had North Carolina down here, uh, what was it, the last week of the regular season, um, and they beat them by almost 40. So, you know, that wasn't a matchup that I was expecting uh, to be a blowout by any means. Um, and they, you know, they kind of put it on them at home. Um, so I think he's very comfortable with where his team is right now. Um, and I think they are clearly the second and third best team in the South, uh, which is why I kind of have that matchup circle and why we'll, we will be at that matchup. So I think momentum-wise, I don't know, I would give a slight edge to Chris Field just because, you know, they, they put together a longer string uh, of, of great performances. But I don't think Pokemon's coming in and, uh, you know, kind of doubting themselves. What makes these two teams so good? I haven't seen Pokemoke all season. I saw Chris Field like at the very, very beginning of the season, which obviously doesn't foreshadow much to, to what they look like right now. So what makes both of those teams so good? Yeah, I mean, I'll start on the on the side for Pokemoke. Um, they have a dominant big man. Um, Nigel Houston is another kid that's going to get some heavy consideration um, as far as uh, the postseason awards. Um, he's a kid, I'm not sure exactly what his averages are, but if I had to guess, He's in the range of 20 points and maybe 15, 16 rebounds. He's a gas. He's a, he's a he's a gobbler on the glass. I mean, he's he he rebounds everything. Really high jumper. He's only about six four, six five, but he really plays above the rim, um, and he makes them go. Um, they have a couple more contributors, Brandon Snowden, Charles Finney, um, that have really been turning it on here lately. And I think Snowden is their third option, and he's really been playing really well some of the numbers that I've seen from him the past three or four games have been in the 20 to 25 point range so when you're getting your third guy contributing like that obviously um, you're going to have good performances uh, on Chris Field's side um, they just have a veteran team these are kids that have been playing together literally probably since they were you know eight or nine years old um, and they're all most of them they're they're uh they're they're cast they're starting cast uh, most of them are seniors, and they're very comfortable with one another. This is a team that went across the bridge to Xfinity Center last year. So they are very accustomed to success. Um, you know, they did have a new coach kind of come in and a co-head co coach come in and uh, kind of direct them. And uh, he mentioned that it was kind of rocky in the beginning, um, trying to take over a team um, that, you know, had success the year before. Uh, but they are a veteran bunch. They have, you know – Besides Christian Waters, his brother Raquel Waters is just as good, and he's going to receive a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of consideration for postseason awards, as well as Cortre Fontaine, who is a very uh, unique player. He's about six six, and um, most of the time he brings the ball up for Chris Field. Um, so he's a kid that can play one through five in the base side, um, and you know, just the combination that they can bring in, and you know, they they they'll have a kid that comes off the bench that they can shoot really well. And, you know, there's just, just the, the supporting cast just adds different things. But when you have three kids that are really dominant, that's what makes them really go. All right. So let's jump over to the other matchup in that region for in 1A region two, which is uh, Cambridge hosting Snow Hill. That's on the other side of that. I obviously am a little more familiar with Cambridge. I saw right. Snow Hill in – it was actually opening night when they beat North Carolina at the buzzer. A lot of things, I'm sure, have changed. But I don't know if you'd agree with this, but it feels like the matchup, the individual matchup between Bajon Ashley and Shaquan Williams could be a really fun one. Oh, absolutely. Those are two of the more exciting kids to watch um, in the base side. And, you know, I think – um, you know, I don't, you know, I've, I've seen Cambridge, I believe, twice live this year, including that Bayside Championship. And I was just blown away at what kind of player B. John Ashley is. Um, he is an amazing talent. You know, I, said, I think I've seen him one time before earlier in the season. And he may or may not have had a great game, uh, but just his length and his athleticism to me was just amazing on display against Y High, who is probably the most athletic team in the league. Um, he stood out. You know, he, he stood out among those kids. Um, and I think he finished with the game high in points, with 20 points. So his talent was definitely on display. Shaquan Williams is, an, is a phenomenal athlete, man. I mean, this kid is – I was just at North uh, – when they played North Dorchester in the first round, um, he had 28 points and 21 rebounds. I mean, he, he might be 6'2". You know, and you're getting 21 rebounds. That obviously shows – what kind of jumping ability he has. And, I mean, whoever's at the matchup, 
Um, and whoever's on the court for Cambridge, you know, you should watch ahead because that kid gets up in a heartbeat. Um, and he brings the boom when he comes down. Those are definitely two of the more exciting kids um, in the conference. Yeah, and about Ashley, he's really turned it on, like, towards the last few weeks of the season. I, the Cambridge's depth waned a little bit. Guys got, you know, they, they've been without Dejuan Jackson at full health for a couple weeks now and just some other mix and knacks that are lingering from throughout the season. And, you know, Marty Bailey told me they're, they don't know who they're going to have at practice day in, day out a lot of times. And as that's happened, Vajon Ashley just kind of took it upon himself to step up, take more initiative, and he's gone takeover mode, it feels like, in a lot of these games for Cambridge yeah. down the stretch. And it really shows he's he's it's noticeable that he's kind of turned it up a notch. And it's it's helping Cambridge because they've need especially without a guy like Jackson, they've really needed it. Yes, yeah. Um I mean, widely throughout the season, we were looking at Jackson as the guy for Cambridge and the guy that you probably needed to focus on stopping. Um, but over this last two or three weeks, man, it's without question. If you don't have an answer for Ashley, he's going to get whatever he wants, whenever he wants uh, with that long lefty stride and that layup. I mean, it feels like to me sometimes he's laying the ball up at the free throw line and he's getting to the rim before people, his arms are getting to the rim before people are even getting into the lane. I mean, he's just such a lengthy kid. Um, but he has definitely turned it on since the, the Jackson injury. Um, the other thing with Cambridge uh, that you can't count out um, in their matchup against No Hill is Marty's experience. Marty has done this as a player um, and as a coach, not only as a coach, as a player as well. He, he's been to the pinnacle of this conference. Um, he's been he's taken multiple Eastern teams um, to the Xfinity Center. Um, and, you know, so, I mean, his experience alone in these games and in these uh, matchups is very vital to Cambridge's success. And I think Snow Hill doesn't have that. They don't have kids. You know, they're a very historic program, but they, they don't have kids that have playoff experience, you know, and they don't have a coach with playoff experience. Um, I think their coach is in um, his second, second year, maybe third, but I believe Sean's second year. Um, but they don't have that experience that Cambridge has. Also helps that Cambridge will be at home. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they're tough at home. They've only lost once or, well, twice now after the Bayside since, since the calendar flipped to 2020. I yep. mean, they're, they've really been on a roll. And like you, I agree with what you say about Marty. Marty, I feel like, has been able to kind of mold this team into whatever it needs to – it's almost like a chameleon team. He's able to mold yep. them into whatever they need to be against a certain opponent. They have a, And they have the depth to do that. It's like if, if you need them to hit a lot of three-pointers, he's able to kind of get that from guys like Logan Middleton and Khalid yep. Beasley. If you need a depth, he's able to go down the bench a little more and squeeze whatever he can out of guys near the end of the bench. And Yes. He needs a guy like Ashley to just take over. I mean, he's able to tap into him, and he's just been able to hit all the right buttons this season. Yes, there is a reason why a lot of Cambridge alums were very excited uh, when Marty was hired a couple of years ago. It's not because they like him. You know, it's because he's an awesome coach, and he knows what, how to get what out of these players, and you're certainly seeing it. So do you like – from what I'm – I'm guessing you like Cambridge in this matchup? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, just based off of, um, you know, the, what, what I saw in the Bayside Championship game. I know it's a, it's, it's playoffs is a completely new season, um, and it's going to be different. But I do like Cambridge. I like the, you know, the, the body of work that they put together. Um, hopefully Jackson's healthy um, because that's a really big key for them, I think, not only in the Snow Hill game, but going forward, um, him being healthy really uh, is going to be, you know, really key for them. But I do like uh, Cambridge being at home. Um, I like their defensive intensity at home. And another thing is they shoot the ball really well at home. Uh, there have been two or three instances of games that we've covered uh, that they hit 12, 13 three-pointers, you know, and obviously they didn't do that at the Civic Center. Um, but I think they'll be much more comfortable at home. I agree. I, I tend to like Cambridge here, especially at home. And, I'm, I don't know how Snow Hill is shooting the ball, but it, I just don't know that Snow Hill is going to be able to win this game if they're just leaning on Williams every time when they go down the floor, you know? Yeah, they well, they have a couple of kids um, that can do some different things. Um, I don't, you know, I mean, I don't think that any of them, obviously, um, are 
you know, great, great players. But I think that they do some different things and, and make themselves um, really successful just by the, the, some of the small things that they do. Um, defensively, they have one kid that really locks up defensively. They have a kid that can shoot in the corner. Um, but they don't have that total team kind of game, uh, which I think you'll see out of Cambridge, um, you know, in this matchup. So before we move on to other matchups, let's just stay in this bracket, this part of the bracket, I guess. So but, but since we both like Cambridge, between Cambridge, Pocomoke, and Crisfield, of those three, who, which team do you, could you see making a run? Oh, boy. Now, this is interesting um, because I think that this pod or this bracket is easily the most competitive that we'll see here um, on the shore, whether it's boys or girls. Um, those three teams and what they've done this year, you know, we talk about it all, all the time on our show, Marvel Sports Insider. Those three teams, um, you know, and what they've done, I think each, all of them have at least 17 wins, um, you know, and all of them are really, really good teams. Um, right now, I'm going to give the edge to Chris Field just because of what I've seen from them. Now, I will say that um, if Chris Field takes care of business on Tuesday and, and Cambridge does the same, the meeting, the second meeting between Chris Field and Cambridge will be very interesting, to say the least. I say that because they met up earlier in the season and Cambridge came out with a victory. Uh, there are a lot of people down this way anyway that kind of feel like that victory um, I don't want to say it was fluke, but, you know, that, you know, it, it just – it didn't sit well with them um, that Cambridge won that game. I even – we even had Coach Andre Collins on our, on our Shop Talk segment, and he said that he felt like that game just kind of got away from him. Um, and he feels like that they're a better team than Cambridge, you know, and he, they, they are not shy about it. They said they had a 15-point lead um, at some point in that game. Um, and they kind of just let their foot off the gas. So I think that they think that they're going to roll over Cambridge. I don't see it as such. So that's why I'm very interested to see that matchup. Um, and the fact that one of those teams is going home so early um, makes the stakes, you know, even more bigger, even bigger. Could you see any of these teams making a run to College Park this year? Um, it'll be interesting. Because the, uh, how the playoffs are reseeded this year, um, we're not sure who's going to be home and who's going to be on the road. And a lot of people will say that home versus road doesn't really – is not really a big thing in high school. But I just think the familiarity uh, with certain gyms, you know, being at home, Chris Field at home, obviously is a different team, you know, than a team that can lose on the road to Parkside. You know, so they are a different team at home. I think Cambridge, uh, you could say the same thing we're referring to about their shooting. Um, so I think that it depends on who they actually match up with. Um, if one of them were to win the region, um, who they match up with, obviously you would have to play a, a state quarterfinal game at, you know, either your gym or elsewhere. Um, but if they get through that matchup, I definitely can see um, one of them taking it. Obviously, I would give a little bit more of a nod to Crisfield only because of their experience. Not anything that happened this year, you know, or, or anything before. Um, it just would strictly have to do with their experience and getting there and maybe getting back to a Final Four. Just scrolling through the bracket, I would like I would tend to think that whoever comes out of this could get a home game. There's only a few teams – because Chris Field and Pocomoke both finished 16-4. and four. Cambridge right. finished 17-3. and three. And just scrolling through that bracket, there's only a few other teams that finished with records better. There were a few oh. other 16-4 and four teams, and there were a couple – 18 and two teams that if they get through would obviously end up at home, but right. you'd have to feel pretty good depending. I don't know how the tiebreakers work in that sense also, but there's a decent chance that, especially if Cambridge gets through, if Cambridge gets through, I bet they're going to end up with a home game, but yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about Pocomoke and Crisfield. Yeah. Well, in that case, if any of them were, were to secure a home game um, and they would pack that gym out, there would be people if it's Crisfield or, or speaking of Chris Field or Pokemon, I know the gym is going to be packed. Anytime I come to Cambridge, the gym is going to be the gym is packed, uh, especially for a playoff matchup. Um, and it, it would be very hard for another team that doesn't know much about these teams um, to come in and get a victory. So I definitely think they can make a run. We, we, we talk a lot about Chris Field and Cambridge, obviously, 
Um, they are the two teams that we are kind of circling, you know, on a possible rematch. But I do not want to discount Pocomoke um, and what Coach Derek Fuchs has been able to get out of this team this year. He is, if not the best, one of the best motivators in the Bayside Conference. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if the game with Chris Field is very close or if they sneak out with a win um, in, in the graveyard, what we call uh, down there at Chrisfield there, Jim. It, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if they came away with a victory. We would love to see another Chrisfield and Cambridge matchup, but I don't want to count Pokemon out all the way just yet. All right, so let's move on to 2A then. Uh, in the 2A East region, that's the only – well, actually, before we do that, actually, we should move up to 1A uh, to, where Colonel Richardson is still alive. They're playing Joppa Town. Sorry right. to the Colonels. I was, I was at that game. Uh, when they beat Patterson Mill last week, and they they looked pretty good. They pulled it out late in the fourth quarter. It was a tight game the whole way, and then they just exploded in the fourth quarter. They outscored Patterson Mill twenty six to six in the fourth right. quarter, and just yeah. everything started going in for them. And they, you know, Brad Pluchak told me it was just a little bit of luck. He, you know, just some shots that were hanging on the rim early in the game just started to fall, and right. just some good karma going both both ways for Colonel Richardson. Joppa Town beat Kent County by 20. I don't know anything about Joppa Town. I'm not sure if you do, but what do you, what do you make of Colonel Richardson for what you know, I guess? Uh, no, well, I mean, obviously Colonel um, is a team that's led by all everything. Deontay Dickerson is a wonderful player. Um, they do have another kid, Green, I believe is his last name. Deshaun Wilson Green. Yes, that, that we hear a lot about down in this area. Um, but I do not know much more about them than that. You know, obviously we see, I see some of the highlights. I don't think I've covered a Colonel game this year, um, but I see some of the highlights and I see a lot of Dickerson. I see some of Green, um, but going to job and, and, and Brad said it, you know, some of those lucky bounces, I think that comes with being home and some of the familiarity of being at home and knowing those rims and knowing those baskets and knowing that background, which is very important. Um, you know, so I think that was very important. Um, going to Joppa Town, you know, sounds like, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like a different beast. Um, they beat, you know, they beat Kent County by 20. Um, and from what I understand, the game was really close early on. We were getting updates uh, from, from Paul um, about that game. But um, I don't know. I, I, I would tend to take Joppa Town in this game. Um, one, because they're home. Also, you know, their record is pretty good. Um, you know, I don't want to completely count out the Colonels, but they're going to need a lot more than Dickerson um, and even a little bit of green sprinkled on top of it. They're going to need a complete team performance. And, um, you know, they have some big guys that kind of, I, I think that are really big that kind of have kind of shied away from the spotlight this year that, you know, now would be their time to kind of step up and man the, the inside defensively um, against a Joppa Town team um, that, you know, obviously <clears throat> has had a really good year. Yeah, they got some of that type of effort from their big guys against Patterson Mill. But, again, Patterson Mill finished 8-12. and 12, Joppa Town finished 14-6. and six. It's a different <laughs> beast, again, playing at home yeah. on the road. And this yeah. is uncharted territory for, for this Colonels team. I mean, this senior class hadn't won a playoff game up right. to date they'd lost in the first round the last three years so this is uncharted territory for them and now they're on the road you know maybe they're playing with house money now that they want to won a game just see what we can get and who knows but yeah it's it's definitely a much tougher task for a team like colonel richardson going into Jabba town but with a guy like deontay dickerson who can score in bunches you can never really count them out and they've yeah. been on fire towards the end of the season they've won going back into the regular season they've won six of their last eight so they've right. been playing really good basketball in the last month of the season. And all the Colonels' games, even their losses, have been really close losses. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the stats are on them, but they, they have the games within five points. They might lead the conference in. Um, they, they just had some <laughs> really close losses. Um, but, you know, I'm really excited and happy um, that Colonel won a playoff game. I think Deontay is a kid that obviously – um, has played a lot of his career as the main guy since he, he was in ninth grade. Um, he came in with a lot of expectations. I'm glad he is advancing into the playoffs um, because he definitely at least deserves that. I uh, would have liked to see 
you know, Jay Sean Freeman do the same thing. Um, but, you know, that's a different story. Uh, but like you said, going to uh, going to Hartford County, Hartford County, right? I think so, yeah. <laughs> going to Hartford County um, is a little bit different um, than, uh, than, than playing at home. All right, so let's get into the 2A now. There's only four Bayside teams here, and they're all in the same section, if you will. We got Y High against Parkside and North Carolina at Queen Anne's. Uh, the, the North game, I think, is going to be really good. I, I think I'm going to be at that. We haven't discussed the schedule for tomorrow yet, but I, right. I'm, I'm planning on being at that game. But right. let's, start, let's start with the, the first game, Y High and Parkside. Parkside's had almost two weeks now, I guess, to, to, <laughs> to prepare for this game. Y High's had a little less time just because of the Baysides, but I mean, Parkside had all of last week, had all of last week, or all of the week before, what was it, last week? No, last week yeah. was Baysides, yeah. So yeah. they had all of last week basically to prepare for this game because they all had buys. They knew they were playing Y High in the second round since the regular season ended. So do you think that makes any of a difference? I mean, Y High's obviously a monster this season, but do you think that time off and being able to prepare could make any, any difference? I'm going to look right in the camera and tell you this. Absolutely not. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, they could have had a month to prepare for this. And I still don't think that, you know, that Parkside is going to come in and, and beat Y High. You know, these city games are really interesting. Um, a lot of these kids know each other really well. Um, and I think between Y High, Parkside, and Bennett, a lot of the kids know who the dominant team is and who's expected to win. So I don't really see a lot of, oh, we're going to get the upset. You know, it, like the NCAA tournament is much different. You know, I'm not saying that Parkside is going to lay down, um, but I think they know who the better team is. And I think Marcus Yarns is a phenomenal player. They also have a couple of more, a couple more phenomenal players. Um, but they would need a, a really, really big effort um, to come into the Waller Dome and get a victory. Um, so I'm expecting Y High to, I'm expecting Y High to um, roll fairly easy. Another thing about these city games is sometimes they are close. Um, you know, sometimes they are really close games. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if this is a close game headed into halftime. Um, but I think the second half, you know, Y High, if they're in playoff mode, um, needs to will will kind of put their foot on the gas and get into overdrive. And that's one thing that they talked about that they were struggling with too. Um, getting the kids to realize that, hey, it's playoff time now, you know. So, you know, this isn't just another city game. We need to look at Parkside as a team that's coming in here and trying to end our season, not Parkside. So it'll depend on what kind of Y-High team you get as well. Um, but I think that they should roll. So I've seen Y-High twice this year, including Bayside. So I saw them just demolish North Carolina in, in January. Oh, but but – from someone who's been around them a little more this season, what makes them so good? I mean, they've, and it seems like it, it's not all like a se big senior class. Like they've just got a big like pipeline of young talent. Like what makes them so good? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, the tradition um, of why high basketball is one of the, one of the best on the shore. Um, you know, and I think the aura of playing for coach Waller, um, the kids, you know, some kids, you know, really value that. Um, they have, you know, they, they last year they made that run into the state um, championship game, um, and they had, you know, they had one transfer um, who wanted to come and play at Y High. You know, he wanted to come play basketball at Y High. Was a kid that played at Washington all his years and. And, you know, I, I think they made a couple playoff runs but never got as far as what, you know, what he should have um, for, the, for the kind of player that he was. Um, but right now you're seeing some great coaching. Um, they have great coaching. A lot of people say that, you know, they don't have to do much because they have great players. But I would argue that you have to do just as much to kind of keep those players in the mindset that any given day you're going to get everybody's best shot. It's everybody's Super Bowl when they come to Wahai and play and try to get a victory. So they are getting everybody's best shot, and they've been able to handle that largely with freshmen and sophomores, which to me has been very, uh, very interesting to watch. Um, you know, the kids that are playing that are on their start, that are starting right now, 
they didn't play much in the state championship game last year. There was a completely different cast that played in the state championship game last year, all seniors. Um, and I think that staff knew that, you know, that these freshmen and sophomores that they had last year were going to be good. Um, so that was part of the reason to bring them up on varsity, even though they weren't playing a lot. Um, they were getting experience and they were playing in some blowout games last year. And Antoine Wilson, the young point guard, um, who is a stud um, and who you saw the Bayside Championship game, he's a kid that didn't play a whole lot for a lot of the year. He played in some blowouts and got on the floor in the state championship game and played 10, 10 to 12 minutes. So they knew that that experience would be crucial for this young team. Um, they do have one senior, Ronnie Satchel. He's a very fearless kid. He's a football kid. Uh, he's going to be playing college football. Um, but he's a fearless kid, and he is, you know, he is their leader. Um, the other guys, man, you know, they just kind of they, – they're very athletic kids. I mean, you know, they've got, they've got four or five kids on the bench that I think can play elsewhere and start elsewhere. And I don't think that has – I don't think – I think that has more to do with the aura of why have basketball in the program. Kids want to come be a part of something special. They know that year in and year out they're going to get good coaching. Um, and that they are going to compete and compete at the highest level. Um, so if you value yourself as one of the better basketball players or you take it seriously, uh, I think that's what you're seeing. And, and three Bayside championships, I don't – the Butch has never done that. So we're at the peak of that right now. And it's just – they seem to have just the perfect mix of their – physically dominant I mean they're a big team but it's it's like the not like big like they just have one big big guy like they their guards seem big they're they're just a physically dominant team but then they're also super adept and skilled and they can just seemingly do everything right yeah well one thing that we'll that we'll see going forward is if teams make why high shoot perimeter jumpers um, because I think, and I've told a couple people at the championship game, that if Cambridge try to get out and run with them or anybody tries to get out and run with them, you're going to get ran off the court. You know, they run cycles and fast breaks, you know, in their sleep. Um, so I think that whoever try, whoever goes forward with the game plan of making them shoot from the outside and making them um, make baskets from the outside, you know, that's, that's your best bet to try to beat them. And they are a big team. And the kids that are coming off the bench, um, Jordan Butler is a kid that didn't play for a lot of, you know, he didn't get a whole bunch of playing time this, uh, this whole, you know, um, through the regular season. Um, but came off the bench in the Bayside Championship game and had 16 points. He had two big dunks. I mean, those are the kind of kids that, you know, that they have on the bench. And I think that when you're playing in, in practice against good competition, that's what's helping as well. Because a lot of kids have told me, hey, we're playing harder in practice sometimes, or we're playing better players in practice than we are in the games. So, you know, that also makes for a world of difference when you have that depth. All right, so let's move on to the North Carolina Queen Anne's game. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this one. I, they, they played two – North Carolina swept them in the regular season, but they were both kind of close games. The first one, when they beat them at Queen Anne's, that was Queen Anne's first loss of the season. And yep. then – when they, and then it was a really close game that went into overtime the second time they played, and it was pretty chippy, and, you know, a lot of – they were it seemed like they were leaving everything on the court there, and everyone was just really into the game. It, this one's at Queen Anne's, whatever, for whatever difference that makes. Uh, it should be a really good game. It's, the, in my mind, the battle of the two best bigs in the North, and Kendron Wayman, who is going to get some postseason recognition, has a legitimate claim to player of the year. He averaged 21 points and 15 rebounds. I mean, he's – that he's going to college to play football at Wake Forest, but he's been a stud on the basketball court this year. And then you got Queen Anne's, Jordan Dozer, who's also had a really good season. And Queen Anne's, for all that midseason lull that they had, they've won four straight, and they beat Kent Island to close out the year, and their confidence seems to be back. To, to They were a really confident team, one of the most confident teams, at least in the North, maybe in the whole Bayside, at the beginning of the year. They were really confident, and – that confidence went away a little bit, I think, after they lost to Kent Island, not at the buzzer, but in the, in the last few seconds of the game. That really did a number on their confidence. But this four-game win streak to close the year, they, their confidence seems to be back. So I'm really looking forward to this matchup. Yeah, that should be a really good matchup. I remember following your tweets 
um, the last matchup was really, really good and came down to the wire and went to overtime. And North Carolina is a very interesting team to me, man. I mean, I, I think – did they sweep Cambridge? They split with Cambridge, I think. I think. Actually, no, no, wait. They lost it. They beat Cambridge in December, and then Cambridge beat them second. Yeah, they split with Cambridge. Well, they're they're a team that I I picked to win the North. I think they had a lot of potential going into the year. Um, and as I say that, no, they they swept Cambridge. No, yeah. they swept Cambridge. That was their old. They the only team that swept Cambridge. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you never know what you're going to get out of that team. I mean, I think Kendra is an excellent player. Um, I think. You know, J.B. Brown is their second guy, um, and he's a phenomenal player. He's, you know, he's a kid that has playoff experience. Um, he was on the, the North Carolina team that went to the state championship game. Uh, well, I think all of them were, uh, but he played an integral part to me. Uh, Montrese DeShields um, was another really good player. Um, and, you know, I just, you know, I, I thought they were going to run away with the North. You know, I thought that this was their year to kind of get it together and put everything in the fold, and it shows you what kind of potential they have. Um, you know, they're the only team that swept the North winner, you know. So, <laughs> it, it, you know, they also have some really bad losses on their, uh, on their, uh, on their record as well. Um, and, and, and fans of North Carolina will tell you, well, you know, this player missed this game and this player wasn't here for this game. And, you know, a lot of different things went into that. But, you know, the main idea is just that they haven't really been all that consistent. Um, you know, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Um, Queen Anne's, man, we talked about them so much to start the year because, I, you know, they were the only undefeated team left in the North. Um, and throughout the mid middle of the year, before that, that Ken Island matchup, it looked like they would take the North, although a lot of our talk was premature, and we knew it was. But we love to talk on Twitter. We love to, <laughs> we love to speculate online. It's just what makes the season fun. Um, but, you know, they kind of hit a roadblock in the middle there. Um, and like you said, they've just been playing confident basketball ever since. Um, I think that matchup, uh, along with the Chris Field, I'll say Chris Field and Pokemo down south, but, you know, that matchup up north should be the most competitive game. Oh, I, I totally agree. This is the most intriguing matchup in the north. North Carolina, what, they were playing pretty consistent for almost a month. They went on a seven-game win streak from January 23rd to the 13th, and they really looked like it was rounding into shape for a really good playoff run. And then they lost their last two to close the season. They, Like we mentioned before, they lost big at Pocomo. And then they fell to Colonel Richardson at home on senior night, which – and I'm just really – I don't know how they're – I haven't talked to Steve Perry since then, really. I don't know – I'm curious to see how they come out in that game because – they don't have the same momentum that they had when I saw them a few times throughout that winning streak. And yeah, they've got a really, really strong top three guys. You know, Kendron is really good inside. The Shields and Brown are really good scorers from beyond. And they end up coming down to who from outside of that cast can step up and make some plays. Yeah. And um, another kid, uh, Vidal Bonds is another kid that's been yeah. playing in a while. You know, he's a kid that has a lot of experience as well. Um, but, you know, what you said may be very true. It may come down to those other kids. And I think when it comes to the other kids, Queen Anne's has a couple more other kids. Um, you know, between Hugh and, um, you know, the some some other guys, I think Queen Anne's is a, is a deeper team, um, and, and they're playing at home. Um, so I think that is going to be very interesting um, to see who comes out on top on that game, in that game. Yeah, I tend to agree that I think Queen Anne's is probably a deeper team, but – when we talk about Hugh, I mean, he's, he became pretty inconsistent the second half of the year and yeah. not as reliable in night in, night out a scorer. So Dozer's definitely their top guy inside. I, th I think yeah. Cyrus McGowan has started playing really well for them off the bench. Mm -hmm. His role has kind of yep. increased and he's become a little more consistent off the bench for them. You know, Devin Turner and Xavier Jones are solid players for them. And yes. what could be a key for them in that, in, in their win over Kent Island in the last game, they got a huge game. The star of that game was Tavion Gross, the senior point guard, not usually a big scorer for them. Finished with like 19 points that game. It was hit almost all in the second half was hitting clutch shots. I mean, the student section was chanting MVP for him in the fourth <laughs> quarter. And this I'm kid is, just came out of no, like he's, he started the whole season for them, but he just has not really been a big scorer. And, you know, I talked to Jeff Hollis after the game and he was like, 
if we could have had that all season, man, who knows, who knows where we'd be right now. And I think it's really, it was really big for them to get that, get him going, going into the playoffs. I'm curious to see if that rolls over and that could be a difference maker. If they, if they get that type of game from Tavion gross in the playoffs, they're a different team. Yeah. Um, between him, Turner, Turner's a kid that has led them in some games as well. I think he's just as capable of having one of those games. The Ken Island game, I believe, some people were telling me that he was the best player um, for them on the court. Uh, between him, McGowan, Jones, I, I think, you know, they're a deeper team. Um, and I, I think I would give them the edge at home, um, you know, in this game. I don't know. For me, North Carolina, you know, they, <laughs> you know they, 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 they were inconsistent to start the year. They became consistent, and then they just had two two losses that you kind of, you know, scratch your head at. Not that the Pokemon loss, you know, Pokemon's a good team and it's hard to beat them at home, but just the the lopsidedness of that loss kind of, you made you scratch your head, um, as well as the loss at home on senior night. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, an exit like this would kind of almost be fitting for North Carolina. It really wouldn't surprise me considering the year that they, they've had they put together. Yeah, like I said before, I think it really will come down to the supporting cast. And in this matchup, it, it was pretty evident the, the when they played the second time and I was there, I saw it. It's because Dozier and Wayman almost cancel each other out inside yep. and they're not able to have the normal big impact that they have. The thing with North Carolina is that I think DeShields and Brown are able to create their own shots and create their own looks, a lot, And whereas Queen Anne's, they try to play through Dozier as much as possible and right. then use – like that defensive attention inside to set up their other looks. So it could that even though North Queen Anne's may we think Queen Anne's is the deeper team there, it may actually benefit North Carolina in this type of matchup. Yes, it, it very it, it might it might. So it sounds like you like North Carolina to win this game. I don't know who I like to win this game because <laughs> the, that's the other thing. It, the other thing is they've beaten them twice, but it is really hard to beat a team yes. three times in one season. Yes, and that's so my last I genuinely, point. if that's I had to pick, yeah, yeah, if I had to pick, I think I'll go with North Carolina just because we saw. I, I, it would come down if Tavion Gross has that big game again, then I would totally like Queen Anne's, and I think they're like I said, Queen Anne's is a different team if they get Tavion Gross going like that. But I just trust in the Shields and and JB Brown to create their own shots and create good looks for themselves more than I trust some of Queen Anne's supporting cast to get their own looks without with, with Dozier's impact limited. Yeah, it is very hard to beat a three a, a team three times. Um, I, just, I think just the mental side of that, you know, is what makes it really hard. I think Queen Anne's is going to come ready. Um, I think the fans are going to know that this is potentially the last game. Um, on the schedule and last, and I'm sure they're going to hear that I just picked North Carolina and bulletin board <laughs> <Yes>. material. <laughs> yeah, uh, they, they probably will have this recording playing before the team comes out. Um, so, so, um, so wear a wetsuit. No, I'm kidding. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, um, no, I think that you know that game, just like the last matchup you covered, it literally can go either way. Um, like you said, if if Gross comes out and has a big game, but I, I think not only Gross. If McGowan or, or Meehan turns it on like he did early in the season, or one of those kids has perhaps their best Turner has perhaps their best game of the year in that game, then I think it goes Queen Anne's way. But the, the, the thing is, either of these teams, whoever wins, do you think either of these teams has a chance at Y High? <laughs> oh, man, that's tough, man. We're talking about a whole different ball game. We're talking about at least. Uh, an hour ride for either of them um, to come down here. North Carolina already knows. I mean, they came down here and got destroyed. I mean, I, I think I got to the game maybe th two or three minutes in um, and why I was up 15. And I'm like, man, what happened? I mean, did the score start out zero to zero because it's like 18 to three when I walked in or something like, geez. Um, but I think that that is a very tall task. Um, to come down here. And North Carolina is is a school and a program that's done it before. They came and knocked off an undefeated Y-High team at home. Um, they had a – I think they had a much – I think they had a, a better team with Joey Adams and David Bailey and Jamie on Franklin, and those guys are all playing college basketball and college football now. Um, but 
Um, if there's one team that knows about it, it's North Carolina. But it's just so hard to say that when you saw what happened uh, when you were here. Um, Queen Anne's, I think, would be a different game for Wahai just because of how, you know, I think they play a lot slower. Um, and they play um, kind of to their pace, which would kind of slow Wahai down. Um, but, you know, if Queen Anne's miss shots, Wahai is getting a, getting a rebound and they're down the other end in, in three seconds. So I think I think that Wahai comes out of this particular pod. Um, and I think they I, I think they do it fairly easy. I think that the games end up they might start out close. Um, but I think like we saw in the Bayside Championship, a 13-13 game. Um, if Wahai kind of gets into their groove and starts playing with the pace and asserting the pace on the opponent like they want to. Um, you see a, a, a zero, you know, a tie game turn into a 13 or 12 or 13 point lead at halftime. And then you see it swell to 20 after three quarters. Something like that is kind of how I see that see that going. Yeah. And about that early January game when Y High just blew out North Carolina, Butch and Steve both told me they think, you know, Butch thought Y High wasn't as good as they played that night and that North Carolina wasn't as bad as they played that right. night. And I got similar sentiments from both sides. I don't think it would be a 50-point blowout again if no, they played. No, no, But I, what, what, we've, what I've seen from Y-High is it's just they're the type of team that it's going to take everything an opponent has just to even keep it close. Yes. You know, for the, that was kind of the way that Cambridge kept up in the first quarter. They were just kind of trying to – it was evident that it was becoming a track meet. And yep. early in the game they had the juice, but Y-High is just so deep and so athletic that – you're, it's very hard for a team be, to be able to match them in a track meet. Speaking to that North Carolina game a couple of years ago, um, they came in, those guys came in, and what you saw from Cambridge um, this past Tuesday or last Tuesday, um, they came in, they, they looked like the hungrier team uh, to start the game. You know, they, were, they, they looked like the hungrier team and they looked like the underdog that, that wanted to come in and say, hey, I'm, we're going to knock this team off. You know what I mean? When, when, when that happened, the last time I saw that happen, North Carolina beat Wahai uh, two years ago and, and to go to Xfinity Center and actually lost to Lake Clifton in the state championship, those guys went blow for blow. I mean, for four quarters. I mean, they did not let off. You know, it, it was first quarter, focus, energy, and effort. Second quarter, third, and fourth. They did not let off. And by the time they looked up, they were up by five in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, midway to go. And Wahai missed a couple shots at home. You know, you you know, you know, do miss shots too. You know, you might make half, but you're going to miss the other half. Um, and they missed some shots, and North Carolina got some runouts. And before you knew it, it was a 10-point game with a minute left. So I think that anybody that expects to come down here, one, has to think in terms of we are the underdog, but we can play with these guys. And to your point about, you know, Parkside, I don't think they have that mentality. I think they know, hey, they've got the, some of the best kids in this county all on one team, and, you know, we're expected to lose. So, you know, it's on the lacrosse season. But whoever it is between Queen Anne's and North Carolina will have to come down um, with that, hey, we got a chip on our shoulder. Um, but we ain't scared of these dudes. You know what I mean? So real quick before we move on to the 3A region, what do you think Y-High's chances are of getting, both getting to Xfinity Center, Center and then potentially winning a state title? <laughs> Man, it's completely different winning a Bayside title than winning a state title, obviously. Um, but people just kind of throw the state title thing out there. Like, it's, you know, it, it is – I mean, you got to look at where we're at and who we're dealing with. Um, and what we're playing against on a daily basis compared to what you're going to play against in a one-game show over there. Um, I think that it's going to be interesting. I have my eyes set on um, – we've, we've got Thursday, we've got, what, the second round, and or Tuesday, tomorrow will be the second round, um, and then the third round on Thursday, I believe, and then I think the regional quarters will be on Saturday. Um, if Y-High does advance – um, they will potentially be, with no losses on their record, they will almost certainly be the top seed um, in the 2A. The interesting part about that is because teams are being reseeded this year, there are some teams from Baltimore City and from some really urban areas 
that have played against great competition all year long and have a really rough record. Um, the thing is, they'll get into the 2A now and play against schools their size and play against uh, teams that are a little bit worse than what they played all year. Um, Patterson, for example, is a team that beat Wahai in the state championship game last year. While I don't think that they are as good as they are last year, I think that they are a better team than 8-10. and 10. That's what happens when you're playing against Baltimore Poly and you're playing <laughs> – and you're playing against, you know, some of the great teams in the Baltimore area, night in and night out. Um, so you're going to get that. They play against Newtown and all of the all of these teams that are really, really good. Um, so, you know, I think that Y High could potentially draw a really, really a, a team that this, a team that's pretty good um, that that hasn't had the best record in a really competitive league. Um, so that'll be interesting. And that game, if they can win that game, which will be at home, they'll get to the state champion or the state uh, state semifinals. Um, so, you know, it depends on who they draw to me, honestly. I mean, if they draw a team that's, that's 10 and 10, but they've been playing against Baltimore City teams or, you know, or Prince George's County teams all year long, that that's not a regular 10 and 10 team. That's a team that'll come in in the Bayside and compete every single night and win more than they lose. Um, so it'll be an interesting matchup. I think again, Y High will have an advantage being at home, um, just because that gym is will get loud and you know and play all time. It'll get you know it'll get really raucous in there. Um, if they could win that game and get over to Xfinity, it depends on who they play. Obviously, if they have the top seed. Um, you know they will be uh, <clears throat> they will be favored on paper, but you know it's a completely different ball game when you get to um, you know to the other teams on the other side of the bridge. Um, there are some really really good teams right now. Newtown is a really good team, um, and there and there are a couple more that are in two way. Frederick Douglass, I know, is always good. Um, so it all depends on Oakdale is another team that they beat in the state semifinals last year. That's going to be, I think, just as tough this year. You know, they're, they're, Oakdale's a team that's kind of just like why high to me. They lost almost everybody, I thought, last year. So I don't know what they're running on, but they have 17 or 18 wins right now. Um, they have a good coaching staff. They have a great program. Um, so I just think that winning a state title is a completely different story. You know, there's a reason why there aren't many that are won here on the shore. Um, there have been some really good teams that have gone over there and you know, and just weren't able to compete. I'm not saying Wahai is one of them, but I think that they are they are a very young team. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, to see them go over there and you know not really not do what they you know what they want to do. All right, so let's move into the three A region. We spent a while on two A, uh, so yeah. we're, it's the, we got Bayside teams, three teams in the, from the Bayside left in the three A South region two. Uh, first matchup, we got Easton going to Northeast Anne Arundel, who was the first top seed, had a bye. They're 17-3. and three. So that's going to be a really tough task for Easton. But I know that Deontay Henson really likes the way his team's been playing ball lately. They pushed Cambridge to the brink. They took them to overtime when Cambridge clinched the north and played really well that night. And, you know, yep. they were down by five with ten seconds left and didn't fold. They yep. were able to tie the game up. and. You know, I, I, he likes the fight that he's gotten from his team. They beat Bennett in the first round by six. Uh, I know you had, you guys had somebody at that game. I wasn't at that game, obviously yeah. a close one. But what do you assess Easton's chances as from what you know? <laughs> it's tough, man. I, I haven't seen Northeast this year. Um, I know that um, they are a really good program. They have a really good coaching staff. Um, I don't know much of what they have at all. The last time I saw Northeast was actually probably around this time last year. Um, they beat Decatur um, down here in Berlin. And they had some players that I thought were, you know, were some decent players that were going to be back and back on this, on this team. Um, I, I think, you know, it's going to be hard for Easton to go across the bridge um, and beat a team in their gym who has obviously had success all year with 17 wins. Um, so, you know, I just think that it's going to take, like I was saying about the two-way, it's going to take everyone, everyone's complete focus um, to go in there and, and win that game. 
Um, I'm honestly not expecting Easton to win that game. Yeah, Easton's been super inconsistent this year. And even though I know they, like I said, Hinson's like, like the fight he's gotten from his team towards the end of the year. And, you know, they beat Ken Island and they beat, they pushed Cambridge to the brink and got a playoff win here. And they've got some good scorers. Sean Warner mm-hmm. has had a really good season for Easton. And yeah, yes. they, they, some of their supporting cast has gotten going a little bit more as the late in the season. But, you know, I just don't know that they're going to be able to go over the bridge to Northeast and beat a 17-3 and three team on the road. Right. Now, let's be clear. I mean, even Ken Island, a team that's been dominant, you know, and could potentially go up to Northeast, I'm not – I'm not sure that they could do the same thing, you know. So it's not a knock on Easton at all. Um, it's more so that, you know, I see a Northeast team, like I said, I saw them last year. Um, but I know they're a really good program. They're a program that's on the rise. And they play good competition um, year, uh, night in and night out um, over there in Anne Arundel County. So, you know, it's going to be tough for whoever to go and kind of come out of that, come out of that pod and out of that region. Yeah, so let's move on to the next matchup, which I think is a, if there's a sleeper good matchup of all the Bayside matchups, I think it's this one, which is Decatur at Ken oh, Island. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm really intrigued by this matchup because Ken Island's had a bye. They're the two seed here. They've struggled late in the season. They lost four of their last five to close the season and lost that game to their rival Queen Anne's. You know, like we said before, got crushed by – by Chris Field and Cole, they have Cole Crowderville, who's my pick for North Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. But I, the, the concern for them in my eyes is they've just been starting to run out of gas late in games. <laughs> Teams yeah. have just started to push the pace against them. They know how aggressive guys like Crowderville and they are playing defense. And as Ken Island's depth has waned a little bit, they've got a couple injuries right now they've just not been able to sustain that pace they play with early in the game. And uh, do you see Decatur? I know Decatur's big guys are Housen and, and Churchill bounds, but do you think that Decatur is the type of team that could match Ken Island's pace early in the game to the point where they could run them out of gas, like other teams have done? Yeah. I mean, this was a matchup early in the season. That was, uh, was it the first, it might've been the first game of the year. Um, and it was a really, really good matchup. Decatur went to Queen uh, to Kent Island. Um, I think that's easily a two, almost two and a half hour drive um, from Berlin. Um, and they went there and they played, you know, a really, really good game. Um, and uh, Drew Howes and that kind of started his campaign for what he's been able to do this year. And we just had Coach B.J. Johnson on Shop Talk, and he says. We stole that game in Ken Island. Let's be clear, that was not a game that we should have won. Um, Ken Island was up for a, a pretty good amount of time um, and drew a high and just kind of put the team on his back. They made some free throws late, and they got out of Stevensville with a victory, which was very impressive to me. The difference now, I think, is Churchill. Um, and he's back, he's back on the team. He just rejoined the team uh, maybe about three weeks ago, uh, transferred back in. Um, he wasn't. He obviously wasn't around for that first matchup. Um, I think Decatur's a much better team with him. Uh, I think their pace is different because I don't know. <laughs> I think that they run. They run a little bit better actually with him. You know, so I mean, it's really interesting. You don't see a six ten big guy, you know, that likes to run the floor. But Churchill likes to run the floor, and I think having him in the game along with some other adjustments on their roster from from the beginning of the season, we'll have them push the pace against Ken Island. So that is, you're right. That is another game that's going to be really, really good. There are some really good games um, that are going to be up there uh, this week. And to be fair, even though it was two weeks ago and Bounce had only been back in game action for like a week, so maybe he was still getting his feet under him, but Easton went to Decatur and beat them yes, in the last did. week of the regular season. This, this season, man, I mean, I've been doing this for – for this, this I think this is my fifth basketball season, or maybe my sixth basketball season. But this has easily been one of the wildest. Uh, this has been the wildest basketball season that I've covered. There have been teams that I think have no chance. It's just been so inconsistent. Um, 
you know, I think there are a lot of teams that have been inconsistent. But it's made for some really good matchups and some really good games, and it's been very unpredictable. That's another thing. I didn't see Easton coming down here and getting a win. Um, and they sent me to score, and lo and behold, Easton pulled that game out. Very, very impressive performance. So, I, I don't know, man. I've been doing this for long enough to say that I, I just don't know. Thinking the home atmosphere for Ken Island and the Decatur Ken Island matchup will make a difference if they if that student section shows out like I've seen them be able to do. I mean that when when that place is packed, that's a tough place to go in and play. It yes, it is. It really and, is. And they're a very deep team, and they've been in a lot of close games this year. They, yep. you know, they they're a senior laden team. They know how to pull out close games, and they have a lot of depth, which makes them tough to compete with in some in some senses, but. The concern is with them, just will they be able to maintain that energy throughout the game? Because that's been a real problem for them lately. Yeah, and I think that's the same thing that kind of happened in the first Decatur game. I think they kind of let off the gas a little bit, and Decatur started just cutting into their lead. And, you know, before it was a 12-point lead, and now it's eight, you know. And then it's from eight, you know, it's four, you know. And that's kind of what, what happened in that game. And then, you know, that Decatur came out, you know, Ken Island had a last – second chance to make a shot at the buzzer and they missed and they won that game. So I don't know. Ken Island was a team that honestly towards the end of the season, I was expecting to see down here in the Bayside championship game and was really interested to see how they would match up against Wahai. Um, but um, I know Craddaville is an outstanding player. I told somebody down here, you know, for as much North and South as we get, I think, Craddaville's skill and his energy, I love it. And I think it translates to any school down here. I think he can play at any school down here um, and play a lot. But, um, you know, it's going to come down to, you know, those other guys, you know, the other guys that are on his team. Um, and if, you know, like you said, if that gym is packed out, I don't see Decatur just waltzing in there. Um, you know, maybe, maybe they should tell the fans that they're playing Queen Anne's. Um, because I know, I know they'll bring it if they're playing Queen Anne's, but, you know, you know, maybe they get up and kind of get it together for the first round of the playoffs because uh, they got a pretty good team. Yeah, I wrote, the, I wrote about Crowderville in, in our, my player of the year and first team column last week, and, and uh, we had him on the podcast last week also. That was a good episode. Right. But like I wrote last week, he – he, he's a, one of the few players that can really say he, no team can, has ever really shut him down this year. There have been yeah. games where he's been a little lighter on the scoreboard because a lot of teams just throw a box and one at him. But right. his energy, he's a super aggressive defender, one of the best defensive players in the Bayside, and he's one of the best assisters in the Bayside. He, he's, yeah. always, he's fearlessly driving into the lane and always looking to pass and, and sets up so many of his teammates with good looks. He's just such a good distributor. Cole Crowderville is a dog, man, and you don't get a lot of kids. You don't get a lot of kids with the, you know, with the mantra and the mindset that he has. Um, I watched that Ken Island Queen Anne's game at Ken Island four or five times, and he was very demonstrative, and he was very, you know, he was he was out there. But man, I love it. You know, I mean, to see kids that have a passion for this game um, and want to be great and want to win and want to tell people, look. You can't guard me, and there's nothing you can do with me. You know, I love that kind of stuff. You know, I love to see passionate kids, um, and he is one of my favorite to watch by far. Um, so, you know, for that sake, you know, I kind of hope we get to see him again. Um, but it's going to come down to, um, you know, I, I don't know, man. That That's kind of a toss-up to me. Um, you know, I think Decatur's a better team with Churchill. Um, but I, I think, you know, like you said, Ken Island – um, you know, if they come in and play with energy, you know, we've seen what they can do. Do you think that any of these teams between East and Decatur, Ken Island, we don't know much about Northeast, obviously, besides their record, but do you think that any of those three Bayside teams have a chance of getting out of the section? That's, that's, that's tough. Again, as I said with Easton, um, you're going on the road, at Decatur in particular, um, you're taking almost a three-hour three trip. And, you know, you can't say that don't mean anything to high school kids rather than waking up and going to school and, you know, and, and coming, you know, going home and getting a snack and coming back and getting ready to go to the gym. You know, taking a three-hour trip is a completely different story. Uh, but for Ken Island, right across the bridge, 
Um, you know, I just think that it's just difficult to go into another place in playoff time and get a win. And I don't know. I mean, maybe all of my picks have been home teams. And we know it doesn't always happen like that. Um, but, you know, I just think that, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, the advantages of being at home this time of the year are what you play for in the regular season. Um, and I think that they will pay off. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't see any team, any of the Bayside teams, um, you know, going and getting a win at Northeast. But hopefully, hopefully, somebody proves me wrong. All right, I think we've covered pretty much everything we came here to cover. So Trayvon, thanks for joining me. This was absolutely fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we'll have to do this again sometime soon. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting week, man. <laughs> for sure. All right, see you, man. Thanks a lot, buddy.